and we are pleased, glad with you, and excited with you. Um, we celebrate the wonderful small group that is amazing. I want to pray for you. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this man of God, man of the Word. It's a man that has, that has counted it all his loss to know you, to serve you, a bondsman of Christ, a son of the Most High. Thank you that we can receive any this morning. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's within him, that's blessing his heart and his mind, the way that he'd be able to minister to us your word. Thank you for that, Lord. And give our hearts to be open to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Especially also the leadership of this beautiful congregation welcoming us. So far Cape Town South. Um, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here. Feels so different to, to have such a wide audience. If any one of you feels that I'm picking on you, just tell me and look at them. Just point at someone else and then I'll remember, okay, I must, I must also look somewhere else. So um, I just love when, when um, Debbie shared on, on why the band standing there. I was looking the whole time while I was standing there at the back worshipping, where am I going to stand? So I'd also like to stand, maybe we must have a preacher stand there. But um, as, I, as I prepared for this morning, um, I just felt so convicted throughout the week, you know, those of you that, that minister from time to time or maybe full time even, you know, when you get to share the gospel, um, first it almost feels like it tears everything apart and then slowly but surely everything gets together and then you get to share and then it feels like everything tears apart again and, and you get to share it with people. So. Um, I don't know in your life where you are at this morning, but I just know that given the word that I felt the Holy Spirit love in my heart, you might have gone through some things and I trust God that through His Holy Spirit and through the scripture that we are going to work through this morning that He'd speak a strengthening into your inner being, but also a, um, a steadfastness and a truth into your heart. So um, can we just can we just close our eyes just for a moment and before we pray I just I just felt I felt the interesting request from, from the Father before I prayed and he said will you allow me to be the Father? And I felt the Father saying will you allow my son to be the firstborn and to be the way, the truth and the life? And will you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you? And I, I almost, I don't know if sometimes the Lord also asks you a question, but sometimes I almost feel as if the question is quite self-explanatory, okay? Because I'm sitting there with my eyes closed, and, and I just got this sense as if I felt God saying that for every part that you take responsibility for, I can't take responsibility for. And before we start, can, can, can we just for a moment just close our eyes and just say, Father, I allow you to be... Father. Just in your own words, just there where you are sitting. 
But will you just declare that? Just say, Father, I just allow you to be the Father. I, I just renounce my own ability or my own thoughts of being in control, of being the Father, being the one who protects, being the one who provides. I just lay that down. Lord Jesus, we just declare this morning that we, we allow you, we let you be the firstborn. Just acknowledge that you are the firstborn. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. We just renounce any part that we want to take, or any responsibility that we want to take to try and be that. Lord, we can't. We can't be the way, we can't be the truth, and we can't be the life. Only you can. We just... We just let that go this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you were especially brought out to remind us of everything that Jesus said and to lead us in the whole truth. And this morning, we are not holding on to our own truth. We are not holding on to our own words or our own lessons learned. Lord, we are laying that all down and we are saying, Lord, lead us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Remind us of what Jesus said. Lead us in the whole truth this morning. And we just absolutely surrender. And we thank you for your truth and for your word coming in and reshaping how we think, how we feel, how we discern. Lord, and we just pray that your kingdom come this morning. Let your kingdom come this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I am really symbolically going to stand a bit out of the way this morning. I really, as I prepared, I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to um, Luke 11. If you'd like to follow in your Bible, you're more than welcome to go there. Um, but all of the scriptures will, will be on the board. Um, so... When I started with Luke 11, there was a specific focus on a specific few verses, and as, as I read that, I felt the Holy Spirit constantly taking me to the first verse. Now, I'm quite a systematic person when it comes to things like this, so it made sense. But then every time as I read it, I got to the portion that I'm supposed to be sharing this morning, and then the Lord would say, start at verse 1 again. So I went back to verse 1 again, and it happened a few times, and then I saw an image of me sitting in a train and almost the Lord saying, I want you to have this context. So, from verse 1 to verse 13 is not on the board, but I want you almost to get this picture of you sitting in a train, being with a tour guide called the Holy Spirit, and just seeing things happening as a context for this morning's service. So, there will be a time when we just, when the train is just moving, we're just seeing, okay, here's a scripture coming and going, and here's a concept coming and going, but I don't want you to park until, until we get to the scripture that we are going to park at this morning. Is that okay? So we start off in Luke 11, verse 1, and Jesus teaches his followers to pray. They actually ask him, what will you teach us how to pray like John did? So he teaches them to pray. As Jesus teach them to pray, he goes onto a, onto a story that he tells them about a friend who's going at midnight to one of his friends and he asks for three loaves 
of bread because he got unexpected gifts. And, um, and he said, initially he said no. It's interesting is, um, that scripture says, he didn't, he was not willing to give loaves of bread because it was late, or even because it was his friends, or even because he had or unexpected guests. So he didn't want to speak into the necessity of what he needed, but he also didn't want to stand up and give it to him because he is his friend. So on both terms he kind of said no. And then Jesus said, but because of his impotence, now that word is shameless persistence. Because of his shameless persistence. Now I'm thinking, what would it look like 12 o'clock at night if someone stands at your gate wanting three loaves of bread and, and, and there's this descriptive word saying there was a shameless persistence. I don't know when last did you shout and scream at someone's gate for at 12 o'clock at night for three loaves of bread for answers for an unexpected guest. But you know, in our minds we must kind of get this idea that Jesus is saying to them, start shouting and screaming 12 o'clock at night at the gate for your for bread for your unexpected guests. So he taught them to pray and then he said, This is how. Not going to give you necessarily because of because of your relation to me or because of necessity, what you think you need, but I will give because you keep on. Because you keep on asking. So he's teaching them some sort of perseverance, some sort of keeping on. Don't stop. And the interesting thing is he then says, your friend will then get up and he will give you whatever you need. He doesn't say he will get up and he will give you what you asked for. He said he will get up and he will give you whatever you need. It's almost getting this idea of saying, will you please just stop screaming? <laughs> what did you ask for again? I couldn't hear what you were asking for, but here's my fridge. You know, just take whatever you need. Here's, here's my month's groceries, whatever. I don't know. Here's a TV and whatever you thought you, you know, just stop screaming. And it's interesting when, when Jesus then goes on, he says, whatever you ask will be given you. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, it will be opened. And then he goes on to our earthly fathers um, and how they will not give us something that might end up hurting us. Giving us a serpent instead of a fish or a scorpion instead of an egg. And then he takes this whole impotence principle into a, into a, a next level where he says, How much more will when you ask me the Father give you the Holy Spirit? The gift of all gifts. Now, if you think about, if you think about asking for three loaves of bread, ending up having the Holy Spirit. Now, if, if you take that whole portion of Scripture, how how beautiful is it that we, from our own perspective, can ask one thing, but the Father, all knowing, will be the one then giving above and beyond, like not the gift that you asked for, but the Holy Spirit. Speaking directly into your life, something that a gift would never have done. Now, what we ask for is temporal. It, it, it lasts only a while. It lasts maybe sometimes not even outlast the season that you are in. So this morning, the Father knows something, and He's saying, "Keep on asking." And and in that, I've really felt that God wants to come this morning, and He wants uh, He wants to strip us of our own question, but because of us continuously asking, He wants to be that Father who give us. Even, even more than what we thought. Almost shifting a perspective in our minds. So I'm really trusting God for that this morning. And, 
As we just saw these verses going by, I want us to, to park this morning at, um, at Luke 11. Um, Pauline, my wife always laughs at me when we get to someone's home. I'm usually the one that they receive, you know, the, the people that stay there normally receive you into certain parts of their house, but then, you know, it, you kind of just stay there. Where I'm that guest that starts walking around in someone's house. <laughs> So I would, I, would then, I would then get into a house and then, um, I, I wouldn't read the room though, so don't, <laughs> don't be afraid that if you invite me into your space, I'll just go, I'll just start walking around, don't, don't let that be the deal breaker for this friendship that didn't start yet. <laughs> but, um, so I, I would be that one that gets to someone's house and then, and then I'd, I'd start to say, okay, but what's around that corner? You know, where's, where's, where does that door lead? You know, and if someone says it's it's just the office, then I'm like, okay, it's okay. I, I, I accept that. I, you know, you don't need to take me in there. The door's closed. I, I respect that. Um, so I want you almost to see this part as we getting off the train and just having a glance at where we are. Okay, is that okay with you? So those of you with imaginations are loving this, those of you that's very analytical are thinking, when are we getting to the, the scripture? So here we go, Luke 11, verse 14 to 26. Now, the last verse before we get here, Jesus said, um, If you evil fathers know how to give a gift to your children, how much more your heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit for those of you that ask. So this is the last verse that we read before we get here. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke. And the people marveled, but some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. The last part we're going to read today. So now you've now gone to the backyard. We are now coming to the living room. Okay. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and finding none, it says, "I will return to my house from which I came." And when it comes, it finds a house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. 
So we see a few things here. We see exactly right after Jesus spoke about giving the Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a mute man. According to scripture, he could not speak and he could not see. So he heals that man by driving out the demon. And instead of rejoicing, the people found it necessary at the time to try and discern who did he drive out the demon with. Not necessarily that the person had been set free. So they wanted to know where he's coming from. And the reality of that is, to a certain extent, some of them already decided who Jesus was. And they just needed evidence. For the rest of them, they were hoping Jesus is someone else and they needed evidence for that. Both, on both sides, they were trying to discern where he's from. Because some of them said he cast out demons by the Elsacle and then others asked for a sign from heaven. But the reality of that is they just saw a sign. So it wasn't the sign that they were looking for. The sign that they were looking for was something to discern whether Jesus himself was from heaven or from hell. Jesus then, knowing what they're thinking, it's so cool when, when Scripture says, Jesus knowing your thoughts, or Jesus knowing your heart, or Jesus knowing why they ask this question, or Jesus understanding where they're coming from. Jesus knowing their thoughts said, a kingdom divided is laid waste, and a divided household falls. But if it is by the finger of God, the kingdom of God, has come upon you, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So it's interesting, one of the commentaries I read said, Jesus is not merely giving a battlefield tactic lesson yet. Now most of us know, when you are facing hardship, and you don't feel safe or comfortable or in unity with the person that you are with, whether it's from a leadership perspective, whether it's from a marriage perspective, whether it's with your children, or what, when there's a disconnect, you kind of feel that. You kind, of, you kind of have that experience where you feel exposed, you feel as if you can't stand, almost just waiting it out, but it doesn't work until that unity is restored, until that togetherness is restored. So in Luke 11 verse 21, Jesus explains something more than just a tactic lesson. Something more than just a battle that's going on. He says, When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. So there's four main points made here. There's a strong man. The strong man, as Jesus explains it there, is Satan. So there's this mute man that's standing there. And when a strong man which is Satan. Satan, you know, the one who tempted Adam and Eve to rebel against God, the one who brought sin into the world, the one who led and is still leading many astray, robbing, robbing people, God's people, from what God intended on earth. That's Satan. He's fully armed. It's interesting, some of the commentary says he's fully armed, and that word armed, armor, is the same word armor that's being used in Ephesians 6, so he has his own armor. It's interesting, some of the commentaries say that that armor is armor that he built up over generations as he studied people. 
So he got to know over time in which ways can he set traps that he can be sure will work for us. He's fully armed. He's not standing with armor. He is actively opposing and leading astray and stealing and robbing and hurting. Fully armed. There's various snares. One of the snares that we spoke recently about in our congregation is the snare of offense. Very tactical and very effective snare that's driving the church to the outskirts of, of wherever you are at, you know, dividing as far as it can. Gossip. So many snares that the enemy uses to divide so he can conquer. Um, he has his own palace. God's his own palace. This palace, interesting, it could have been named anything. You would almost think that this palace, palace which is us, would get a different name depending on who stays there. But it doesn't. Because we are made in the image and likeness of Christ. We keep image and likeness. But it's who we represent and who we keep that makes the difference. So this Satan, God's his own palace. This palace is his favorite place to be. He wants to occupy and govern our inner man. Then the goods are safe. So this safety is not the safety as we know it. This safety is almost the type of letting it be. Why? Because he doesn't have the ability to give safety. He has no intention of giving safety. This is a false piece. He wants to establish in mankind that brings about the recklessness and the insensibility about eternal things. So he has this intention of having this palace a safe place where there's no threat for him. And as long as he can kind of get us to focus in the natural and in the physical, he's winning. Why? Because that is where he wins. Many scriptures saying that. So this is a false peace. It's really important to understand this because as we speak through these principles and we'll get to the verse following that now, every single one of us here have a very individual outlook on how we perceive life. You might have an outlook saying, you know what, I'm following Jesus wholeheartedly, but that guy that's not doing it seems better off. Have you noticed that? Although there are many reasons for that, one of the many reasons for that is exactly this. There's no reason for the enemy to send you through unnecessary hardships if there's no threat for you. And as a spiritual believer, it's really important to understand that the moment that changes, he changes. That false sense of safety changes. And that's why often the moment we make a decision to wholeheartedly follow Jesus, something changes. Have you noticed that? All of a sudden there's opposition. All of a sudden you face internal battles that you didn't know was there. All of a sudden you're going through financial hardships that you can't block. You don't, don't know what just happened. Why is all of these unforeseen expenses and things happening? Where is this coming from? There wasn't a threat at all, but all of a sudden a threat came. Now listen to the threat. Luke 11, verse 21. 
22. So I left the first part there so we can see. But when one stronger than he attacks him. And overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. The moment by the grace of God we get an eternal spiritual perspective, something starts changing. And the enemy has to adapt his tactic. And he adapts his tactic so well because he knows us so well that he gets it right to kind of to kind of keep one part and keep, you know, just allow enough. So we kind of stuck in between. And I really sense God wants to do something special for us this morning in this. But when a stronger man But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him. So here we find, but when one stronger than. One stronger than who? One stronger than Satan. We need to understand that. We're not speaking here about the different things that we are facing on earth. We are speaking a direct opposition to Satan himself. When one stronger than him. This is a glorious title Christ. When one stronger than him comes. Okay? He attacks him. That word attacks means to overcome, to overpower. It literally means that Satan and his army are helpless to stop. He can't stop him. He overcomes, he overpowers. And Satan is helpless to stop. He takes away his armor. So this armor that the enemy gathered over time, he stripped of that armor. So almost in your mind, I want you to see a stronger man entering this palace. He attacks and overcomes this person. He strips him of his armor. One of the commentaries says, there's a complete, he's, he's stripped of the means to regain his strength. Just let that sink in for a moment. When Jesus comes, Satan is stripped of his means to regain his rank. It's a complete triumph and it ensures the final overthrow of his kingdom. And the last part of this is he divides his spoil. So Jesus comes, a stronger man, he enters this palace, he overcomes Satan, he strips him of his armor, and then he divides the spoil. What spoil? In scripture we find two different definitions of this. Firstly, referring to the body of Christ. People can be saved again. He come in, Jesus comes in and he set people free. He saves us. From death into life. From hell into heaven. But the second part of that scripture is also everything that the enemy over time has stolen from God's people. So he strips Satan of the ability to keep us in bondage and in hell for eternity. He makes it possible for us to be saved. And then Jesus comes and he he shares the spoil 
He divides the spoil that the enemy gathered. Everything that God intended for you, Jesus can give back. And we need to understand this because if we live from any other principle, and if the enemy can get us to not fully grasp this, then something happens in our walking. We might be thinking something different, but our walking will still speak of our old habits and our old ways of doing it. Now just like, um, just like there's these two elements in, in Jesus coming and, and saying, I'm willing to save people from eternal death into eternal life, but I'm also willing and come, I came to give back to them everything that the enemy intended to steal from them. I'm dividing the spoils again. In that same way, a certain part of that is completed. And a certain part of that we are still walking in. For example, we all know that Jesus came, Jesus died. He was on the cross, He died, and He rose again. It's done. That being the fact it is, still calls us today to walk in that victory. The fact that that happened doesn't cause us to automatically walk in it. you agree with me? There's something of that healing and restoration that happened that day on the cross that is not practically to completion done in our lives yet, as we sit here today. So this is a walking in. This is a believing, understanding, but then a walking in. Verse 24 says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, I found the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So Jesus comes, He does something. He's the stronger man. He comes into this palace as we allow Him. He overcomes. He strips of armor. He divides the spoil. And then for some, this demon wonders. And he comes back. And he finds a space swept, clean, and ready to receive him again. What's the difference? It really bothered me. It really bothered me that for some of us, we feel and we think and we go through things and, it's, and it hurts. It, it breaks. And, and in our quiet times, everywhere we kind, of, we kind of feel this. We have a sense of this, you know. Just when it feels we are advancing, then it feels there's something shutting us down again. And Jesus makes a statement in verse 23. Look at this. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. This verse is the verse that brings these two parts that we read in Scripture together. 
So on the one part, there's a strong man. We've heard what his intention is. There's a stronger man coming who wants to restore and heal and save in a similar way as what the strong man did. Except he gives more. You ask for bread, he gives you the Holy Spirit. But then something happens. We tend to still today take our freedom and then go sin with it. We take the healing, the restoration, everything that Jesus did on the cross, we turn from Him and we start scattering. And it's so easy to discern how we so easily become selfish even with things that God gives. Everything we have is from Him, but let someone ask me for it. I will give to anyone, but just don't let the guy come to my gate and eat with a rock on my palisade. <laughs> just brings out something in me that I didn't know existed. What do we do? We take that, we turn away from him being saved, being set free. We take that relief that Jesus brought and we go scattered. This scripture. As, as two images linked to it. The one image is that there is no neutral battlefield. There is no neutral battlefield. And we've heard that often said that you are either for Jesus or not. You know, you either follow Jesus or you follow the devil. You follow Satan. But somehow still today, we kind of, without really deciding that we, we tend to think we are in this neutral space where we are figuring things out. And we find ourselves there often. We think, you know, I have this momentum with Jesus, I'm going with Him, working with Him, talking, and then all of a sudden our quiet times, our prayer lives, get challenged, or our routine changes, or whatever, and then we are in this in-between Void, as we call it. And the reality of that is, according to scripture, that space doesn't exist. In fact, the longer we sit in that space, the more we tend to allow the enemy back into our lives. We start to question everything that God said to us. Every word that God shared with us. Every revelation He brought. Everything that He set you free from. And before you know it, you are falling for the same temptations that you fell before. Walking a very similar life, except this time, the enemy uses that and that tactics, that armor, to actually make you feel guilty and shame, full, not going back to your church family, essentially falling away and being a Muslim. The second image is one where where it's an image of a shepherd and his flock, where the shepherd tries to keep everyone together, but there's someone that's running into the sheepfold and scattering. Making a point of it to run into the sheep to scatter them. We see that often in churches, church families. Even our natural families, we see it often where there's someone that wants to bring together and there's normally that one or two or few that just walks in there and they just scatters. 
So we find two warnings here in that specific scripture, verse 23, and then we're going to pray together. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. There's no neutral battleground. Warning one is there's no neutral battleground. We are either walking with him or we are walking against him. Can you receive that this morning? Can you receive that as you are sitting there and sitting here this morning, wherever you are, I am not in a neutral spot. I am either for him or I am against him. How do I know? The second warning is if we do not follow him and we choose to follow Satan, our exorcism or our being set free from demons would have been shattered. And that demon will come back and he will find that up in us, neat, swept clean. And he will, for the sake of coming in and causing havoc, not come in alone again, he will According to scripture, go away, get seven others. Worse than himself. And scripture ends off this portion by saying, you will then as a person, as an individual, be worse off. The second state of this person is worse off than the first. So, you will know where you are this morning. And when I prayed through this portion of scripture, I felt the Holy Spirit lay three specific things on my heart. And I want us to, to take a moment and pray through that this, this morning. Is that okay? Firstly, am I blinded and mute and in desperate need of Jesus today? Often I sat in counseling sessions with people trying to help them discern, trying to facilitate some form of growth pattern in their life. And it just doesn't work. And then we over time realize that they have never in their lives made a decision to follow Jesus. Do you know that that doesn't happen automatically? The fact that you come to church, the fact that you attend small group, the fact that you read Bible, the fact that you even try to pray. Because you've learned the language. You know, in church we teach each other this type of Christianese, you know, you, you, you talk more or less the same and, and you know you can even kind of fake a prayer for the food or, or you know you can squeeze some part of something out of you that looks like I'm following Jesus but there's nothing there. The worst thing we can do whether believers or unbelievers this morning is to assume that I'm following Jesus. Don't assume that. Ask that. Am I blinded this morning? Am I mute this morning? And for some of us, that's where our prayer will stop this morning, which is phenomenal because it's a great question. The second question I want us to ask is, am I living like I'm thinking there's a neutral battlefield? If you, if you discern, if you take the last three, four days, week, whatever, and you look at what you're busy with on a daily basis, specifically pertaining to your relationship with Jesus, what am I doing? What am I busy with? Because that will immediately answer and in a mirror almost show to yourself, where do I think I am? What am I busy with? Listen very carefully. This is not a works thing. 
This is a thing where if I'm saved, I would want to spend time with the one who saved me. I've, I've heard one, one time that a guy said, you know, that the time that you spend on prayer isn't the point. It doesn't help you sit an hour in prayer, but there's no real relationship with Jesus. But what one do see is that it's hard to sit down for longer someone that you don't know. And that to me was a great question to ask. It's like, am I willing to just sit with Jesus then? Or do I feel uncomfortable, unsure, uncertain? How comfortable we are in His presence speaks directly to we have a relationship with Him. The third question I want us to ask, and this is maybe a very specific, more specific thing, and, and here's where it becomes a bit more specific to you as an individual. Is there a specific area that comes to mind as a believer where I am not clearly seeing this perfect work of Jesus? What perfect work? If the enemy can get it right to keep part of what his intention with you was in your mind, and you try to run these two parallel kingdoms with each other, then you'd end up being like a wave, according to scripture, double-minded. Do you know that word double-minded in scripture means double-souled? So it's, you're not between thoughts, you're between kingdoms. As long as the enemy can keep us as a church between two kingdoms, there's no victory in either one of them. And the reality of it is the enemy wins. Because we are not, if we are not for Jesus, we are against him. So this morning, as we pray, we're going to create this space now. I want you to, in your mind, ask yourself this question. Do I believe that Jesus came and he attacked Satan in me? Do I believe that? Have I seen that? Have I experienced that? Or is my relationship with Jesus solely my responsibility? Because many of us create someone we call Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. It's the one that we are trying to form as we grow. Because we never allow Jesus to really come and show us how he attacks in love. Satan who wants to stay in this palace. Have you felt that? Have you experienced that? Is it the reality of your heart this morning that you have been saved? Someone can. The second, the second thing is, did you experience how Jesus overcame Satan? Or do you still feel there's some form of an actual battle going on? And you're not 100% sure who's winning. We get that in counseling often when you sit down with someone and you feel, yo, who's winning here? <laughs> it just feels, just feels like you're not winning. Here. This is a revelation. This is not something that we can convince ourselves of. The third thing, did you experience personally how Jesus came and he took the armor? All of the different snares that Satan wanted to use against you. Did you experience how Jesus came and he stripped Satan of his armor, making him unable to regain his reign. And then lastly, are there an area in your life where you feel that Satan has stolen from you?
And this is where we are trusting God, you know, because in, in, many, in many ways the enemy has this ability to sometimes even steal from us before we even knew that God intended something for us. So I'd ask you in this specific prayer to say, Oh Jesus, will you in your grace come show me what, what in my life are these spoils that you want to divide into me that the enemy intended to steal? But that you can die for, overcome, strip the enemy from, and you want to restore. Can we can we close our eyes for a moment? Just let off. Lord Jesus, this is not something that we can convince ourselves of. Lord, we cannot by thinking better. Be better. We need a revelation, Lord, that we are not in a neutral battlefield. We are in a place where we need your revelation to come show us what does this look like. Because when, when we look in the natural, Lord, we see brokenness, we see hurt, and we so easily just translate that into our relationship with you. We just pray from that, we live from that. We just respond from that. We take that into our quiet lives and we use that as the reference. But this morning, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our eyes. That you would open our ears. That you would open our hearts to see how Jesus came and He won. God, I thank you for every decision in this house this morning to follow you, Jesus. From a place of understanding, Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. God, thank you that you came. Holy Spirit, will, will you please reveal to us how Jesus came and he overpowered Satan? Lord, we know that he died on the cross, but today in our lives, this has to become practical. We need, to, we need to see this. We need to experience this. And we need you to open our eyes so we, so we can experience this with you. God, will you please, by your grace, open our eyes to see how you can. And you overcome. And you overpowered Satan. God, for those of us this morning that feels, Lord, we're not sure who's going Holy Spirit, will you please reveal whether by picture, whether by experience, whether by emotion, whether by a word, a statement, just, just a sense of you coming and overpowering Satan, I pray for experience in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we come before you and we thank you that you took the armor, all of these snares, all of these traps that the enemy set that keeps that keeps us in this false sense of peace. God, we just pray that by your spirit, you will open our eyes to see how the enemy is stripped of this armor. Just while we are in this moment, I just sense that there's some of you that are seeing certain pictures and images. You can start praying into that. Just there where you are, just say, Lord, my, my perspective on life says 
Spirit, and then we come before you and we say, Lord, we don't even know what the enemy stole. We don't even know over time how many people he robbed from eternal life. We just come before you and we just ask your grace. Grace, Lord, to speak your gospel to the people that you placed us alongside, Lord, your grace to start speaking your life into your people sharing your word of healing and restoration. Lord, but then also we know that there are certain aspects of our lives today, Lord, that's being stolen from. Relationships, maybe even material things this morning, maybe even family relationships or relationships with our children or with our spouses, Lord, we, we just come before you this morning and we say, Lord, will you please, as you as you divide these spoils, also make it revelation to us how you give it back. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing, Lord, and much of our lives don't testify of that. Lord, I pray especially over this church family, the dividing of spoils. As a church family, marriage partners, families resembled and represented here, but also individuals. Holy Spirit, we pray that as we end off this service, that you will help us and continue to help us, Lord, to see from your perspective. Not the perspective where there's a strong man in a house and the stronger man came and he's still busy fighting, but a stronger man came, he overpowered, he stripped of armor and he divided the spirits. Lord Jesus, thank you that you God, I pray for every heart in this place. You would please bless them, protect them, and thank you that as we stand up from you, Lord, like we read in Luke 11, 23, Lord, that we would, that we would gather with you. That we would not from this place stand up and go scattered, exposing ourselves to new plans of the enemy, Lord, but stand up from you and follow you, Jesus. Lord, we don't want to take this freedom and go sit with it. We want to take this freedom that you died for and paid for, healed us from and restored us from and restored unto us. We want to take all of those things that you are giving back to us and we want to serve and love you more. As a church, not even shofar, as your church, as your bride, Lord, we want to take this freedom that you've given us, that you've restored unto us and we want to love you more. We want to respond to you quicker. We want to confess our sins quicker. We want to be eager to maintain the unity between us. It's family. God, we want to obey. The moment we hear, we want to obey. God, we pray for a strengthening in our inner beings this morning, Lord.
that we would be quick to obey to you, Jesus, and not be one even tempted to go scatter, and then even considering to go scatter. We respond to you and to you alone, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you that we are standing with you in victory. You are the stronger man. Jesus Christ, you reign victorious Father. Thank you for being our Father, loving us. Jesus, thank you for being the firstborn. The way, the truth, the life. Holy Spirit, thank you for helping us, reminding us of everything that Jesus said, leading us in the whole truth.